0: Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you wanna write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host Claudine Walk. With us today is Sky Kerr. Sky is a developmental editor and she is going to answer my questions for you to help you make your stories the best Ever. I'm so excited to have her. You can find Sky at her website, Sky Kerr, and that's K-E-R-R-editor.com. Welcome, Sky. Thank you so much, Claudine. So exciting. oh so Absolutely. I'm so I'm so psyched that you're with us. So we're so excited to have you. So tell us what developmental editing is and why it's important.
1: Yes. Developmental editing is feedback. It's constructive criticism, basically. And it's feedback on usually your whole manuscript, but some folks do chapter by chapter to help guide them as they write. But it's feedback that covers big picture stuff, like is the narrative voice consistent? Or do you sound like there's some new author suddenly wrote chapter two? (laughs) Logical flow making sense. Are you using kind of constructs and terms and images in a consistent way? Is the pacing of the story or the, if it's nonfiction, sort of the pacing of the argument, is it making sense? It's big
0: picture stuff. Okay. So at what stage of an author's process in writing, is it important to bring in a developmental editor? Yes. Um, I love this question because,
1: It depends on the artistic process of the author. So I'd say there's sort of two categories. The answer is, any time is a great time. Some folks really love to work and work and work their book, right? They do a bunch of rounds with themselves kind of as their own editor. And then they get to a point where they're like, I have done my absolute best and I can't think of a single other thing to fix. Now I want a developmental edit. Other folks maybe don't feel like they really quite know how to edit themselves at all or what they're doing. And they spit out a great first draft and they think they want feedback right away. So the answer is when you feel like you've done what you can. And now it's time for that, excuse me, outside more objective um, perspective from someone else.
0: So how about if you're an author who is writing the story and you're stuck can you use a developmental, bleh. I'm going to have trouble with this word, Sky, developmental editor. Can you use a developmental editor at that point as well?
1: Yeah, I think that's really common. That's really common because you don't know what you don't know, right? And so often a writer feels stuck, but they're not sure and they feel like something's not working, but they're not sure what it is exactly. Right. So stuck is a great place to come to a developmental editor.
0: Nice. Yeah. Okay. So how how does the process work? Someone's listening and they say, "Oh gosh, I need sky. Where do they start and then how will the process flow with you specifically?"
1: It's tailorable, so there's sort of no one answer to that, but basically when I connect up with someone, we usually hop on the phone or send some emails back and forth just to make sure we're on the same page about not only what you need, but how you like to get feedback. So some people really want to see feedback in track changes in, in the manuscript itself. They really want me to get in the sentences and show them what I mean. And some folks just want comments to the side in bubbles that, you know, I could highlight this paragraph and say in this paragraph, I think this is what's happening and this is what I suggest. And then they kind of want to try doing it themselves and everything in between. So um, they come to me, we decide, what kind of feedback they want, how they want to get it. And I also need to see the writing and sort of give my own sense of here's what I think I can bring. And we decide on a turnaround timeline. And then I get to work and I send them back the developmental edit. And then from there, it also is individual. Some folks really take it and run with it. Other folks want to get on the phone and say like, okay, look, let's talk about it. Let's talk through it. Um, sort of depends on the skill set of the writer and also the, the struggles for that writer of what's it like to implement feedback.
0: Yeah. And then after that first pass, let's say, do they come back to you again?
1: So this is where we can define our terms a little bit. So developmental editing is what I've described. And there's sort of a, a natural continuum that moves from developmental editing into what you call more line editing and copy editing which is all different than proofreading. Proofreading is right at the very, very, very end, and that's making sure that there's a period at the end of every sentence and that very sort of technical minutiae bit. But af- before that, after developmental editing in the middle is line editing, copy editing. And that is moving from the big picture developmental editing feedback more into the granular level of the sentence where the issues, the strengths, and the weaknesses are getting played out on that sentence level. And so what often happens, to answer your question, is I do a developmental round with someone. They do their best, and then they send it back. And then I can move into more of a copy edit or a line edit where I can review to see, did they implement the developmental edit? Is it working? And then I'm also giving them more focused feedback now on the sentences, like, okay, now this paragraph is making sense, It's doing what it needs to do. But this sentence, let's make it shine a little bit more. And this sentence, let's not end the paragraph on this sentence. Let's end it with this image and getting into it more with them.
0: So is that um, line editing or copy editing at that point? That is
1: so how I always struck them, (laughs) Bonnie. I didn't even know they existed. So you're ahead of me. Well, line editing is more stylistic. Mm hmm. Copy editing is more getting closer to that proofreading of like, is the sentence correct grammatically?
0: Okay. All right. And then that's not even, you know, proofreading. Because it's funny, when we work with authors a lot, they don't understand that you can't have your Aunt Tilly editing your book. That you have to pay for an editor is a surprise for a lot of authors, especially if they're going to self-publish. And so to know that there are these other types of editing available, too, um, is kind of an eye opener. And it's so great to be able to share those resources with authors, because my philosophy is, you know, get it right the first time if you can.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Aunt Tilly can definitely provide a helpful service when you are earlier on in the process sometimes um, and just want someone safe. To share it with if you're not ready for an outsider to read it like an editor. And Aunt Tilly is so valuable at the end too of like, please read my book and give me some love. Yes. Um, but there is an objectivity and I think just a level of experience that's needed if you really want it to be
0: right. Yep. Yep. Very good to know. Okay. So tell us how you developed. Are you are you specific um, editing by genre? Do you only do children's books or do you only do adult books?
1: Um, I am open to helping people with almost anything, but the, the area that I just happen to f- have the most experience and sort of knowledge in tends to be um, nonfiction. And the folks, I'll just say the folks that I help the most are people writing memoirs or people writing teaching memoirs um, and where that kind of blends into the world of, any business owner, entrepreneur, solopreneur, healer, teacher, anyone with a body of work that they've created through in their profession and they feel like they want to capture it in book form, um, a business book um so and 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 memoir and that world of nonfiction have a lot of overlap because often people's life is the primary material, right for what they've learned in their life, of course.
0: I love that. I love books that teach but also share individual examples. It's fascinating. Does that make me a voyeur? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. I love to, I love the stories. I love the personal stories.
1: Well, I think we're really drawn to the thought of what what would the effects be in life if I was vulnerable and open with my life stories and and that's the kind of the pain and the joy of this category, I think, because figuring out what to share and what not to share is so, whew, it's a really big deal for folks. But when we see someone else doing that, it's thrilling how that person shared that and that was brave and it really impacted me.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious as an editor, do you ever go back and say, you know what, that was a little too much sharing. Might want to put that back in the old drawer. mm. I think the answer to that is,
1: and this is related to kind of another another good topic in this conversation is, I think when folks, you know, there's this famous saying, right? From your scars, not your wounds. Mm. Mm. And I think what can happen is, I mean, I have also a therapy background, so I don't, I, I'm not cringy about TMI. It's not a thing <laughs> for me, but. What happens for folks is if they're writing a story that's unhealed, unresolved and just raw for them, it makes it hard to write well about it because it's hard to be objective about traumatic material.
0: Well, you said a mouthful there. Yeah.
1: Um, So it's not that it's bad or wrong. It's just can make it really hard. And so that's why it's good to also have a book coach, right? To kind of help you more with that emotional process of, deciding what to
0: share, what not to share. You know, on that subject, I have interviewed two authors who wrote very detailed, painful memoirs and were very, very, very detailed. In both cases, the, the authors had had situations where their spouses were cheating on them. And I'm not sure how long after the, the breakup, they wrote the book but they've gone on to write other books, uh, one another novel and one another – a couple novels, actually, and another um, nonfiction book. Anyway, so I've interviewed them on their books after that memoir book, and they don't want to talk about the memoir. And I'm wondering if that's why, because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I shared that. I mean, God forbid you, you, you know, bring up one of the specific things about the mm-hmm. memoir – they don't want to. They don't want to go back. Have you ever run into that?
1: Well, it does also just seem common, right? That when people are done a book, that they are like, I never want to read it again.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's part of it too. Yeah, and and you know, sometimes people do just need to write a book mm-hmm. out as a as an art therapy process, right? And so, yeah. if you're in the category, do what you need to do. You know, right. and. Trying to market and then talk about that book might be really painful, that, and that's a decision-making process you can make for yourself around: Do I
0: want to market something that's so
1: hard, or
0: right. yeah, it can. Yeah, it, I mean, it played in terms of the reading. The reading of both books was absolutely riveting for for me. Um, but then, you know, it just seemed like, like you said, it was kind of a one and done. They were done with it. My thought was, you know, someday your kids are going to grow up and read this. Is that is that something you want to share? Not that it's not, it's it's always educational, I think. And and it's good for your children to know, I think, who you are. But um, yeah, it might have been a little too much. But I don't know, maybe not.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know in the big picture. And I think too, what's interesting for me, because I'm helping people kind of on the back end of the process is it, it's hard to write while you also are letting that inner critic run of don't say this, or who's going to be pissed off, or what if my sister in law doesn't like this chapter? And it, you're not going to be able to write.
0: Yeah, right. You'll be too stymied. Yeah. So, usually, the advice I think is just
1: write it all and then pull back what you need to pull back at a later draft. And a developmental editor can help say, just as a reader, this is like, Ooh, a bit much, or, you know, or you're, to- I think what's more common, Claudine, is people skip over. The emotional stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They tell a story, but they actually don't get into the emotional weight of it. Um, so that's I'm more the often
0: juice. So that's hard. the juice. Yeah. yeah. Too bad. Okay. So tell us about uh, the clients that you've had. Have you not specifically, but um, have you had heard some success stories from clients after working with you? How does that? How does that? It must be very rewarding and fulfilling for you. Just so excited for them because it is it's a hard process to write a book
1: yeah and as much as we do all the work to kind of you know the world of self-publishing is so um respected now and such a wonderful viable option and so it and but it's still easy to get hooked into thinking like well if the traditional publisher picked them up that's the success and it's just not that simple anymore i think um gosh i mean all my clients i'm proud of them and excited for them but the the folks that i see as what I would say, the success stories tend to be the folks that were able to walk the line and hold the paradox between really ripping their heart out and giving it their all to the, to the writing process, to the emotional content, like really showing up of like, you know, writers bearing their soul and at the same time are able to see their book as something separate from them, as something that other people are going to consume. And so it's not just about the catharsis of getting their story out. It's about the catharsis and then also killing their darlings, right? And cutting out parts that just are too much or boring or lag or, and having that artistic sort of rigor um, on the other hand,
0: right? Yep. And I would say that the author maybe cannot be objective enough to know when some sentences really don't move the story forward. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so great to have someone like you to help them with that.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking earlier about this. I mean, thank goodness we're not objective about ourselves. We would be paralyzed with <laughs> neuroses. You know? like, we're meant
0: to, yeah.
1: We live in community. I think art is made in community and, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that we need outside feedback on our writing.
0: Yes, yes. I, it's funny you mentioned the editing of. Um, well, I said Aunt Tilly because that's from one of the the Christmas story movie. Your Aunt Tilly. You know, I don't know why I thought of Aunt Tilly, but anyway, <laughs> I had both my parents edit my first book um, as a as a beginning edit. And How- uh, Oh, my God, it was great because I was in California at the time and it was way back in 2007, I guess, that I was writing the book. And so I was literally mailing them chapters that I had printed out, if you can imagine. And they would write. My father would write in his red pen. My mother would write in her pencil and, and then they would mail it back. And I still have that. That's you know? really precious. It is. And I, I, yep, I have all their notes. And there were some things that my mother was like, you just can't write that you just can't. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and my dad would say, Hey, listen, you know, you need to round this out. You know, this isn't making sense or add some humor here. Or, and I guess that's kind of, you know, a piece of what you do in developmental editing.
1: Yeah. That's what they were doing. It sounds like. Yes. You're reminding me Clyde, that my parents were like my first, the first people to teach me editing. At some point in high school, they were like, you need to really know how to write if you're going to go to college so they made me write essays and then they'd give me feedback and it was also a really important lesson in that each editor is different so it was that early lesson of like this isn't just it's not just grammar rules that's happening here because they each had they brought different minds to it they had different feedback and i had to wrestle with like
0: i thought editing was a black and white thing but they have different takes that's right that's right and that's probably say again that's so sweet about your parents. Yes, yes, it, it was. It was very, um, I treasure, I treasure those those notes. Um, but it, so it's very important for an author to find the right fit in a developmental editor as well then.
1: Yes, thank you for saying that. It's really, really true. It It needs to feel mutual because I think... Trust is also a big component in where I see folks really benefiting from the edit and if it's not there, um, because it's hard to get feedback, right? I mean you think about you think about that on an emotional level, like you get feedback just from the people that you trust and feedback from people you don't trust you, you know, put on the curb. So if you're gonna change your writing, you need to be open to it and you deserve someone that, you feel safe getting feedback from.
0: Yes. So tell us about your process in becoming a developmental editor. How does one go from a therapist to developmental editor?
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, the therapist piece is sort of a, a, a side track. So I might leave that set that to aside a little bit. But yeah, my parents started me. And then I worked um, in college as the peer support for you know helping my friends write their papers and in some ways that was a really important piece of the story because when you're editing your peer and you're 18 years old there's something tricky to navigate no one wants their peer to be better at them at writing a paper you know so there was just that relational piece of figuring out how to have this be a consensual and kind of shame-free dynamic and that I still think about that a lot And then I moved through a really wonderful, traditional, um, a very small but traditional publishing project where I learned about typesetting and proofreading and more about the actual publication process. And that's just helpful to know about now because I kind of know what my authors are going to, what realm they're going to end up in. And I got mentored by a book coach and that really changed my life. He taught me a lot. Um. And just more and more practice, you know, moving, moving back in my scope away from the minutia of where the comma goes, and more like, hey, I, spend, I started to have opinions. This is basically what I noticed. I have opinions about how to do this differently, and then gain practice giving those opinions. And here I am.
0: There you go. I love that. So before I leave you there, what, what, what is a book coach? Oh, what is a book coach? Yeah. Well, I don't quite do book coaching. So, you said a book coach changed your life. Oh, so
1: he, he, he runs a coaching business and similar to Kate, who we both know. Um, anyone that's like helping people kind of at the very, very beginning level, just lighting the little fire, stoking the vision, helping them clear out Got it. obstacles to the process, and um, they can, they're amazing.
0: I appreciate you letting me I feel like a little like uh, you know Barbara Walters here because I'm just just throwing all these questions at you so um, you must do a lot of reading
1: oh gosh I wish I did more reading because I read you know for work so I'm not always like looking to crack
0: a book (laughs) gotcha gotcha You read off hours, Cody. I was going to say, but you, you you know, you're reading books, obviously. Um, Oh, my gosh. I I came across this podcast, um, Sarah's Bookshelves, it's called. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I am stalking her. Sarah, if you're listening, you have to do my podcast. But anyway, she reads like a nut, a nut. And she has other guests on who also read, and that's all they do is they talk about the different books that they've read. But it's in a very organized way, and um, the books that she comes up with. So she'll she'll go back to new releases, but then she'll also ask guests. You know, what's your favorite older book? What's your favorite? You know, give me five older books you love. Give me five new books you're looking forward to. Re- I mean, I don't know how she does it. But anyway, she has been giving me a lot of different ideas. So I I tend to read um, suspense, thriller, but yeah. also I love historical fiction. I also love uh, nonfiction, a lot of nonfiction. And I don't know, for some reason, I've been reading a lot of books on writing and book marketing. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah yeah so I'm sorry did you say why
1: no I was being sarcastic oh, yeah, 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 exactly
0: so yeah so um but I love to read and if I don't take some time in the day to read I'm in a bad mood mm. I don't know what that's about
1: I struggle with reading because I'm a mom of a small kid right now and when I'm into a book I just want to disappear yeah and I just can't do that right now so um yeah, my I don't mean guilty pleasure, actually, but my kind of just total indulgence pleasure is like British mystery.
0: Oh, nice. Like who? Give me a couple authors like Elizabeth George. Anthony Horowitz. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. Anthony yes. Horowitz. OK, uh, cool. He
1: was um, ordained by the Agatha Christie estate to write uh, sort of a couple in her style. And he's amazing. Nice. I grew up reading at at the Christie. Oh, I
0: love that. Okay. So reader and a writer. Okay. So, so, go ahead. You were going to say something. Well, And the full circle of that
1: is there is kind of a mystery element now that I say that to helping develop books because there is kind of a math, and I'm not a math to it, but there's a mystery to like, how do we get all these pieces to work? How do we rearrange them to work? There's a there's a kind of a code that needs to be unlocked sometimes and figuring out the logistics is fun for my brain.
0: Absolutely. That's that's half the fun. That's awesome. Good for you. Okay, so where can people find you? They're like, all right, Claudine, enough already. We need to find how do we find Sky and how do we get started to have that initial conversation? Yeah, my
1: website is skykerreditor.com, S-K-Y-E-K-E-R-R-editor.com. Um, you can reach me there. Great, yeah. great. T- email is usually where it all begins, and then we'll set up a little phone chat once we've made email contact. Yeah, awesome. To hear folks,
0: fabulous. And I will uh, put that information in the show notes for you guys, so you can find Sky. Um, what What's your advice for the authors out there who are you know they've got a book they're they're ready for the developmental editor and they're afraid to press the button?
1: Hmm. My advice is making contact doesn't mean you have to even agree to work with me, right? And so it's also like I also fit outfit and it really matters to me that I feel like my skill set works for your book. I'm not going to sign up otherwise. So reaching out, I offer a free 15-minute consult and some folks even want to see me make comments on a page or two just to get a sense before they dive in. So there's lots of there's lots of really gentle ways to engage the process to feel it out for yourself.
0: Nice. I love that. Thank you so much, Sky. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. That was so fun, Claudine. It was so fun. So you can reach Sky again at her website, Sky S-K-Y-E, Ker, Kerr K-E-R-R-editor.com. And you are listening. To get your books seen and sold. See you next week. You've been listening to Get Your Books Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk. My Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter today.